So this morning we're going to continue our study on 1 John. But in addition to what I want to read out of 1 John, I'm also going to be reading from Galatians. And I'm also going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke. And if the mood hits me, I may actually go to 2 Corinthians as well. So we'll see how this goes. Stick that right there, just in case. All right. So, 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God is means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, in verse 6, I'm going to read it the way it's actually supposed to be, according to uh, the Greek, not according to this interpretation. And Jesus Christ was revealed by God's Son by water and blood. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through 32. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he, told, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Let's go ahead and look here, too, at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 
verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Let's say that again. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How different we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we as Christ's ambassadors, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. May we be blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of these words of Scripture. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. We thank you for this time, this place, this opportunity to gather together with family and friends and loved ones. To worship you. But not in a way where we turn you into an object, but where, where we have the opportunity to engage with you as subject where we open ourselves up to you during this time to be transformed by you. And you use the gifts of those in this community to transform us. It's through the singing and the playing of instruments and the telling of stories. Through the embraces, through the prayers, through the laughter, and through the heartache that you use us as your instruments to impact those around us for the transformation to take place. And this is the way that you've been working for generations since creation. And so we look to the scriptures and, and, and we, we have an opportunity to be blessed by you, by those who you inspired to write these words so that we could hear them today and reflect on them. That we might be transformed through them and through the working of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, making us into the people that you've called and created us to be. So this morning I, I pray for a clarity of thought so that when I speak, it be your words, and that you might hide me behind your cross so that what we experience here today is you your grace and your mercy, your love, your joy, your peace, your righteousness and your justice. We pray all these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen. So, I, um, I had my sermon written and uh, I'm trying to see, I wrote some things down here, yeah. So I had my sermon written, and I, it was finished by Thursday morning, I guess, maybe. Let's see, Thursday I met with 
Pamela, right? So it was actually done Wednesday. I had my sermon done Wednesday. I was doing really well. And then um, yesterday morning at 4 o'clock, I could no longer sleep. My heart would not allow me to sleep. And so I woke up. I sat up. Full disclosure, I went to the bathroom. Then I came back. (laughs) And I got my laptop out and my Bible and a book and my phone. And I rewrote my whole sermon. Often when I, when I pray before we, um, before we jump into this part of our service where we look at Scripture, I'll pray something along the lines of sometimes, and, and those of you that have been here, you hopefully have heard it, where I'll say, and if necessary, God, please break our hearts so that we could be transformed. You could remold our hearts so that we better resemble your Son or the people that you've called and created us to be, something along those lines. Have you heard me say that before? Like that idea about breaking our hearts? My heart this week was thoroughly broken. It was, it was ripped apart. It was trashed. And yesterday morning, I just couldn't sleep anymore. And so I had to write it all down. So I firmly believe that the kingdom of God is best represented when all people are not just welcome, but they belong. Does that sound familiar to any of you that have known me for a while? Okay. And, and when I say, I'm speaking for myself now, when I say all people, I mean all people. This means to me, no matter what you believe about God, no matter how you vote, no matter who you love, no matter where you were born, no matter the color of your skin, no matter the words you use to express yourself, no matter your gender, no matter your job, no matter your financial status, no matter your age, no matter your nation of origin, all people means all people. There's no buts. So this being said, I'm not naive enough to believe that everyone can live in that kind of community because we live in the light and the darkness simultaneously, right? We're living in the kingdom of God, and at the same time, we are living in this world. So I realize that not everyone can accept being part of a community like this and that they will self-select to not participate. told myself that's their choice. And I do believe that. That is, that is a choice that we have. We have an invitation from Jesus to participate in that type of community, but we can choose to ignore Jesus or we can choose to change what Jesus says to kind of fit what we want. But the way I understand Jesus, the Jesus that I know, this is the community that we're invited to. No one is ever excluded, but you can choose to be. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt when someone says they can't be a part of the community that includes fill in the blank, right? Whatever, whatever that is for, for, for the person, for me, what, but it still hurts 
Even when it's not, I can't be in a community where Jeff is the pastor, right? It doesn't have to be that one. It can just be anything. I can't be in a community where uh, they vote this way. I can't be in a community where um, they love this person. I can't be in a community where whatever. It hurts when that happens, when you are committed to being in a community like that. And so my heart was just broken this week multiple times. And I was like, all right, God, stop. Like, yeah, I prayed for that, but I didn't really mean it. When I said break our hearts, I meant theirs, not mine. Robbie and I recently joined Planet Fitness because I noticed I was putting a little bit of weight back on and Robbie wants to put some weight on. So it worked out well. And, um, and I don't know if you've ever been in Planet Fitness, but they have rows and rows and rows of like cardio glides and uh, these, all these different like Stairmasters and treadmills and all this stuff. And what do they have right in front of it so that you can still be entertained are just rows of televisions and to be as inclusive as possible, which I appreciate, they have CNN and Fox News both going. <laughs> and at one point, I was looking for a rock to be able to smash both televisions. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I even looked over at Robbie, and I said, look at, look at what it says. On, I'm not, I don't have to name the network. I'm sure you can figure it out. But on one of the networks, it says Trump using um, mugshot for fundraising. And then at the exact same time, on the other TV, it says Biden using Trump's mugshot for fundraising. <laughs> Exa- I mean, exact same time. And so before we sit there and we're like, yeah, those people. No, it's all of us. I was just like, we're horrible. We're like horrible people. Because the other thing, too, is like you can't hear what they're saying, thank God. (laughs) But you can see the looks on the faces. And you can see the condescension. You, You can see the smugness from both sides as they're judging and talking about each other. And so not one of us can sit here and be like, Yeah, that's why I vote this way. Because guess what? The people you vote for are doing the exact same thing as the people you're voting against. We are horrible people who are ready to tear each other down in order to make ourselves look good, to become whatever it is we want to become in a heartbeat. And I was just sick. And then it got worse. So... On Facebook, I was recently invited to be part of this little small group, and um, I normally don't, I don't take the bait. I don't comment on things. Um, what I'm really looking for is Robert Corlew's little funny posts, <laughs> right? I'm looking for those type of things, um, pictures of your families, whose anniversary is it, whose birthday is it, so I can give you a quick little shout out. Um, but I joined this group, 
And it's a small group, right? I, like, I would never do this on Hip Mount Juliet or whatever those other ones are. Um, but someone said they're looking for a church in Wilson County, County where they would be welcome as a person whose theology was uh, more progressive. And so I invited them to Grace. I was like, um, you know, they, they mentioned that they didn't... So I, I invited them to Grace because I thought, well, if we're going to love all people, then this is a great place for them to be. Because I look out there and guess what? There are, some of you have progressive theology. And some of you have a more conservative theology. And um, you're all in community together. And so good for you. Seriously, like good for you. Um, so I did. I invited them to Grace. And then they mentioned that they, didn't, that they had actually checked out the, the website and they had driven by. And they didn't see anything on our building or website that indicated that we were welcoming. And then they also said affirming congregation. And I know what that means. And then they asked me, how do you all feel? This is a direct quote. How do you all feel about agnostics, atheists, or people with mixed feelings on faith? And I responded, we have people just like that at Grace. Some of you may be surprised to know that we have agnostics, atheists, and people with mixed feelings on faith that are here every Sunday. So I said, we have people just like that at Grace. Our belief is that everyone belongs. The reason you don't see anything on our building or website is because we believe everyone belongs. As difficult as it is at times to include everyone, even people with different beliefs, we believe we are called to love all people. All people. The only thing we ask of a person who wants to be a part of the community, this may be new to you, so hear it, is a willingness to not be a jerk, and to leave room for the possibility that some of your beliefs may be wrong. It's not a high bar. <laughs> right? What do, you, what, what do we need to be part of this community? Okay, first, don't be a jerk. Second of all, just leave some room that you may not actually be the seat of all truth and knowledge, okay? So I then invited them to grab a cup of coffee. So I would just answer any questions they had. I'll even buy. <laughs> and they responded, and I got excited. They said, if I, I think it's beautiful that you leave space for everyone in your church. I believe all people deserve love and dignity, and I understand why as a pastor, mm, you would not want anyone to feel unwelcome at the table. I, I wish that it had said it just as a Christian. The overwhelming presence of Christian fundamentalism is the reason I didn't resume attending church once I moved to Mount Juliet. And I'm thankful I didn't, as I now know it could have been a horrible impact. It could have had a horrible impact on the well-being of my child. It would be very hard to create a space that is affirming while being inclusive of fundamentalism, even if it's not what you're preaching. It would be difficult for me to create community with anyone who believes that my child is worthy of damnation and me along with him for my love and support of him. Those kinds of beliefs and votes harm my family. I don't have the luxury of leaving space for them. and wouldn't feel a place where those viewpoints are given equal weight and respect was truly safe or affirming. Please know that I say that, meaning no disrespect for what you're trying to create. Just, it's nice to have places where one doesn't have to justify their own existence to anyone. Absolutely would be willing to discuss further. And I thought, this person's right. This is a difficult task. It's a difficult task. 
to try to create a community where everyone is welcome. But beyond just welcome, where everyone belongs. So I responded. I hear you, and I agree with what you're saying. And, and I might say it's not about giving equal weight to all viewpoints, but about accepting people regardless of theirs or my opinions. That being said, behavior that is destructive to the community and the persons who make up the community, that's not welcome. This is why people may self-select to not participate in the community. I'm proud of Grace and the tremendous strides they've taken to be inclusive of all people and to see people from all walks of life participating in the community of Grace. I, for one, believe I am a better person by having a diverse social group. That being said, let's grab coffee because I believe I could learn something from you. That was it. It was the end of the conversation. No coffee. This passage of scripture this week, along with that conversation and the and the the TV and all that, got me thinking about the parable of the prodigal son in Luke, which is why I wanted to read it, read it this morning, right? Because I mean, if you if you look at this, it says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. I'm back in First John, has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. And I was like, okay, uh, that reminds me, and all of this reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. And, and you, you know the story, and I just read sort of the end of it, right? But in the story, you've got this younger brother who, for whatever reason, decided that it would be a good idea to go ahead and take his inheritance now and, and go and just live the way he wanted to. Um, and, and then things don't go quite the way he had planned, and so he decides he's going to come back to the father. And the father sees him off in the distance. And what does the father do? The father runs towards the son, the, the one who hadn't been obedient, the, right, in the eyes of the elder son. And so runs out and, and makes the effort to go to them and then says, you're, of course you're back in this community. Of course you're part of this family. Of course you are. In fact, we're going to have a huge party. And, and I'm going to, and he says, you know, slaughter the lamb and, and, and invite everybody. Uh, like all the servants are super excited because we're going to have a party. And the elder brother is mad. And I thought about that. I thought about the anger that the elder brother felt. And I thought to myself, you know what, if the elder brother truly loved the father, forget even if he wa- even forget whether or not he even loved his brother. Forget that for a moment. If he truly loved the father, he would have joined in the banquet for the father's sake. Because even if his relationship with his brother is strained, I can't I don't agree with you. I think that the lifestyle you chose is wrong. I think that the way that you treated the father, our father, was wrong. I think that 
I think that all the things that you did were morally corrupt. Even if he felt that way about his brother, he would have found joy in his father's joy. The way that we love and accept one another is really about the way that we love the father. It's really about the way we love God. The way that we love and accept one another says more about the way that we love God than anything else. You cannot say, I love God and not love his children. Because our acceptance of one another, our willingness to be in community with one another, our ability to affirm one another as brothers and sisters is really more a statement about our love for the Father. And our inability to love one another also says something about our love or lack of love for the Father. When there's division whether it be what I see on TV, whether it be what I see in the church. I've always thought that the correct place for me to be is in the middle. And I know it sounds wishy-washy, like people are just like, take a side. But I think taking a side is actually the easier route. Standing in the middle is hard because both sides hate you. But it seems to me like the middle is actually the best place to be if reconciliation is to take place, which according to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which we read just a few moments ago, is the ministry we're called to. We can't say we're involved in the ministry of reconciliation then and exclude some people. Right, and so the middle, for me, has always been the place where I need to be. But I woke up, and I, and I began to wonder. And I'm just being honest here, right? Like, I want you to hear this. I am this morning giving you a glimpse behind the curtain. <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. I wonder... Because in the parable, I see the father running towards the younger son. And then I think about my own parents. And, and I would get frustrated at times when it looked to me like they were giving special treatment to one of like my brother or my sister. And then I realized as I became an adult, it's because at that moment in time, they needed that. They never left me. They were still my mom and my dad. But in that moment, I had a sibling that needed a little more help. I thought about I do that as a parent. I do that. And then I think about the words, right? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, where it says, 
For when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. Those of you that are in quad, you understand what the author is saying here, that you, you just did that study, right? Where what he's talking about is there's no benefit for like following the law or not following the law. There's, there's no benefit for, for being under the first covenant or not being under the first covenant. What is important in, as Christians is faith expressing itself in love. Could you imagine the conversation that Paul is having with these first century Jewish men in the synagogue? And they're like, okay, but, but what about, what about uh, observing the Sabbath? And he says, what's important <laughs> is expressing itself in love. Okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. But what about, but what about the washing of the hands? What's important... <laughs> Is faith expressing itself in love? Okay, 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 I got it. But what about, and couldn't you just see Paul like starting to tear up and be like, it's just, what's important is faith expressing itself in love. Yeah, but what about, what about those people that vote Democrat? Oh, well, what about the people that vote Republican? Oh, what's important is expressing is faith expressing itself in love. But what about those people? And, and, and so I begin to wonder, are there t- are there, aren't there times maybe when we move towards those who are hurting? in order to let them know that they're loved? Maybe there are times when the middle's not the right place because someone may not be feeling the love and you got to move a little closer to them. I mean, after all, isn't that what the parable of the lost coin is about? Or, Or the parable of the lost sheep? Isn't that what Jesus tells us God does? And so as I read that person's comments, I could hear their hurt and their pain and their frustration. And my heart was just broken. It's broken. And it was still broken yesterday morning when I woke up at 4 a.m. and sat down to rewrite my sermon. And I do, I believe that God broke my heart and then set out to once again reshape it so I can love as God intends for me to love. I'm thinking about me now. And so the question I began to have is, well, how do I, how do I know what I should do? So first of all, is this God breaking my heart? Or am I, have I just like not gotten enough sleep, right? And I'm just being emotional. Or is God really trying to tell me something here? Is God really trying to break my heart? And if, and if it is God, what am I supposed to do about this? Right? Because 1 John, and as well as the Gospel of John, over and over we've been reading about God is love. It's what John talked about last week. God is 
love. And according to psychiatrist and writer Scott Peck, love is unswervingly committed to the betterment and completion of others. That's what love is. Unswervingly committed to the betterment and completion of others. So with this in mind, we could say that, and I put it up on a slide, God, as love, is that universal and inward impulse that inspires us to seek the best for others, to seek the growth of the beloved. Who are the beloved? Everyone. All right, so how do I actually know, though, that this is from God? That's what I want to know. And then I want to know, what am I going to do about it? And so there's three questions for each of these. And by the way, I have the questions and that little definition of God as love on um, these little half sheets out here, and I'm not going to assume you want them, all right? But if you want them, when you come up to take communion, I've got these two young gentlemen, one's going to be on each side, um, Buchanan and Christopher, and they're going to have these for us. But this is kind of what... It, it, if I want to know if something's actually been laid on my heart from God, I think these are three good questions. One, is what my obedience to this insight result in the betterment of others, especially the marginalized? The second question I think is a good one to ask is, does this revelation call me beyond my self-absorption and empower me to love and include others in my life? And then the third is this, is this prompting the most loving and gracious response that I can imagine? And so that's what I'm wondering right now. I think this is from God. <laughs> and, and so then the next question is, as I think about what should I do about this? Will what I'm about to do result in the growth and betterment of others? Will this action increase love or diminish it? And will humanity's wisdom, which is see more of the light, be expanded by my efforts? Or am I appealing to ignorance and narrow-mindedness, which is remaining in the light? And so I've been honest. about where I'm at. And I've shared stories this morning about why my heart is broken. And so I just have really two more questions. Does your heart break like mine for the ones that the church has alienated? And the next question is, so what are we going to do about it? Amen.